You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screen, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Well, I think we are. It's 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 been a minute. It's It's been a minute. I'll tell you what, Scott. What what the heck happened to our studio here? Our recording studio? I mean, seriously, there's like beer cans everywhere. You get rock stars in your studio... They leave it a mess. I mean, seriously, slobs. I, I don't even know what some of these devices don't, are. Don't, don't ask. <laughs> just don't ask. Don't ask. Well, I'll tell you what. I just want to personally thank Chris and Jordan on behalf of the Suicide Squad cast for filling in for us for our very first time, our very first episode of not being on the show, you or I. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was weird. It was really weird taking a vacation last week. I didn't like it. I'll be honest. Yeah, it was. It was definitely very odd. So, did you do anything fun with your vacation? I I don't even remember. It's it's a whirlwind. It's it's <laughs> you know. I'm sure there was some bedtime story or something that just could go a little bit later. It's all I can think of. Yeah, I was going to send you an image to show you what my last Friday night was all about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to send it to you while we're recording, but that kind of fell through. Because uh, if you don't know it, uh, we are having major connection problems right now. I have no internet. <laughs> he has no internet, and we are winging it right now. I know, winging a prayer. <laughs> Hoping that my internet comes back to the point that I can send Tim the audio that I'm recording right now. Yeah, that's that's basically our plan right now, is, is we're basically working on a hope. <laughs> so if you actually ever hear this episode, that means it actually came through. So that'll be a good thing. Yes, when you hear this episode, that means I have internet it again. That's fantastic. That would be fantastic. Oh, well, it's just one of those days. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, nothing, apparently. Thank you, Summer Storms. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's kind of get on with the show here. we got actually a fun news week, um, but before we actually get to the fun news that we want to talk about, I want to remind you guys, we're part of the Suicide Squadcast network of shows, and there's a few other shows we would encourage you to go check out. We have Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast, which is actually on a hiatus right now. No, it's not. No, it's not well they have one more show right uh they have they have two more two more okay because there'll be one that will drop maybe around the same time this episode is dropping right and then they'll have one more after that because they still got to finish off supergirl okay i knew about supergirl i didn't know i thought that was actually finishing up this week no 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 that monday is the finale so they they'll still they'll still go on for one more week got it okay well that's with um that's actually with ray and brent actually helm both of those shows and then we also have chris and jordan who filled in for us last week. They have their own show, which is DC Comics Squadcast, and we should go over there and trash their studio like they trashed <sighs> ours. I, I don't even want I don't even want to even <laughs> think about what theirs looks like. I, I don't even know if there's enough hand sanitizer for us to even walk into that studio. <laughs> You couldn't pay me. I need yeah. a hazmat suit. That's all I got to say. <laughs> hazmat suit, a lot of uh, personal protective equipment, all kinds of stuff. It's it's It, it would be a trip, though. I, th- I think we'll have to make it one of these days. Oh, yeah. And also, do not forget that we want to thank all of our patrons who support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. Tim has been a little negligent in getting out uh, an episode of late. There's something we've had in the can for like two weeks, but he's been a little busy, so that is forthcoming. Yes, that one's on me. Yes. And because of internet problems with another host, we had to do an audible. We were going to be recording our Blade 2 review this past Tuesday, and we had to shift it two weeks forward because we wanted to have the same crew that reviewed Blade 1 together. Well, Chris Rimmer lost his internet, <laughs> and so he was unable to, to be part of it. And talking amongst the group, we decided we were going to shift it back two weeks. So what that meant is that Scott and I are actually sliding up Flash Gordon, which we hope to be recording here in a day or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're hoping to. Now, I'm curious, though, will that affect the release schedule? Because then our our, our uh, evens and our odds would be all out of whack. They will be out of whack. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to pretend we already, already recorded Blade in our review. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a little okay. A little bit of creative magic. but and Because I already know what everyone's rating is going to be. Scores are? Okay. Yeah. So we'll at least...
least know where that sink, uh, sits. But I, I mean, I could tell you um, Blade 2 is going to be nowhere near where Flash Gordon is ranking-wise, so it's, I probably wouldn't <laughs> even need to talk about it. <laughs> so, Are we talking about that Queen soundtrack? The Queen soundtrack, uh, Tim. If it was just the Queen soundtrack, it would have a much higher rating to me. <laughs> well, I, 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 well, I haven't even told you what my rating of Flash Gordon is yet. I know. But yeah, we're going to record that one, and we're going to drop that one before uh, Blade eventually makes it to Patreon. But that's one of the benefits you get for being a patron. So. Awesome. Well, let's let's get on to the news because I know you were busy, but I was watching all this unfold like live, and it was just it was a doozy of a week. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time we've had a week of news like we had this week. Yeah, this was a doozy. Uh, I mean, the first one, of course, uh, and you broke this one down, but Jeff Johns is actually going to be leaving his president of DC Entertainment position, which was kind of a what we thought is like a temporary position. He's going to be leaving that position to do some exclusive writing and producing uh, for DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers. Yeah, we actually, thanks to our connections over there at DC Comics Squadcast, we were able to get a hold of the official press release that was sent out regarding this uh, changing of the guard over at DC. And so this is what we got. So as of uh, 1 o'clock Eastern on Monday, uh, Jeff Johns to expand creative role, becoming a full-time writer-producer for film, television, and more with an ex- uh, exclusive to DC and Warner Brothers setting to launch his own Mad Ghost Productions that will be based at Warner Brothers. So basically what this comes down to is that he is no longer going to be an executive with DC and he will be going back to the creative side and will be doing that you know, basically full time. So I have to admit that when I heard this news, the first thing that popped into my head was, you mean I get more comic books written by Jeff Johns? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest, you know, at the beginning of like the New 52, the man was writing like three monthly series. You know, he was, he was writing Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Justice League, all of which were fantastic. And now he's down to Doomsday Clock that keeps on getting delayed. So when I heard this news, I was like, good, get him out of the corporate office and get him back to, you know, writing stuff. Because that's what I want Jeff Johns doing. Right. Now, this is one thing that uh, I think is really interesting to me, too, because, you know, we we kind of go back and we don't really know. We're not really certain just what kind of role he may or may not have played in some of the decisions that were made on Justice League. Uh, like, obviously, you know, there's been a bunch of changes because of kind of the, like the fallout of the very poor for- performance from that film. And, you know, we know that John Berg, who was his co-executive of DC Films, uh, has moved on to something else. And now Jeff Johns has actually moved on to something else. So we're not saying that this is directly related to what happened with Justice League, but I kind of look at this regardless of whatever his role was and all that. This gets him back on a creative side. I'm all for that because... Because I kind of feel like, you know, this is where his strength always was. You know, he, I mean, he's done some wonderful things in the comics. As a writer, as a writer, he's done some wonderful things. So, yes. and, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, I'm kind of there on the speculation train that this was just kind of like the last little bit of, if you, if you want to put the pieces together, if it, if Tim, if you'll come with me and put your tinfoil hat on for a second. If you look at everyone who ha- was in any kind of executive or decision-making position over the course of the making of Justice League, there, except for one individual, everyone else is gone now. Right. Berg, Nelson. Jeff Johns. Johns. You know, the only one left is Sujahara. And with another piece of news that we got this week, that might not, he might not be long for this business. So, you know, right. it's, I feel, I, my speculation is it's connected. And it kind of goes back to something that I remember, um, um, our buddy Stephen Colbert over at Screen Rant said he he once did a tweet a few weeks ago about the Peter principle of the idea that you eventually promote yourself out of what you're good at. <laughs> right. And I feel like this is kind of a, a an acknowledgement of let's get him back doing what he is actually we know he's good at, which is writing stuff. Right. And not just that, it kind of puts him in a position where he could actually succeed, you know, immensely. Uh, it, this is he's you know got his own production company now that will be based at Warner Brothers kind of 
like what John Byrd got out of this deal, right? If you if, if you think about it, yeah. And and quite honestly, it's kind of like what what Zack Snyder's got as well. I mean, he's his production company has a place on the Warner Brothers lot. Oh, but he's been building a new place now, so that's that's kind of no longer a deal on that situation. So cruel and unusual has been. No, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. They actually have been building a new headquarters for cruel and unusual uh, elsewhere. Okay, I didn't know that detail. That's good to know. Yeah, exactly. So the, so basically what we're looking at structure-wise over at DC is Jim Lee, who's been a co-publisher with Dan DiDio at, since 2010, he will now assume the chief creative officer title that Jeff Johns is exiting. And then uh, the Thomas Gawecki, uh, who had been the chief digital officer and executive vice president of strategy and business development, he's continuing his interim head president position that he took over when Diane Nelson first went on leave of absence and then later resigned. So that's all continuing. But what we did learn, we did get some interesting details from this press release. We learned that now Jeff Johns will be writing and producing the Green Lantern Corps movie, which is a change because the last we heard, David Goyer was writing the Green Lantern Corps movie. So that's interesting. Uh, It acknowledges in the press release that he co-wrote Aquaman. This is the first I'm hearing of that from this press release. Uh, We knew he was writing and producing Wonder Woman 1984. And the press release just flat out states that a David Sandberg's Shazam movie is based on his run of Shazam that ran as backups in Justice League during the New 52. So right. there is some information we're getting out of this press release on the film side that I don't think we were aware of. Yeah. And so one of the things that when you kind of look at this from a business standpoint, you know, Johns has had some really incredible runs in the comics here. And so he's had like his versions where he's tried to re- revitalize some of the mythology and, and and kind of modernize some of the characters we talk about you know what he's done on Aquaman and Shazam uh, obviously with Green Lantern Corps and all the um, the emotional spectrum mythology and all that that he added like all that stuff is pretty phenomenal but when you take when you take a look at what all these films are that are coming out we talk about Aquaman we talk about Shazam and we talk about uh, his upcoming Green Lantern Corps film it sounds like all of these are going to be relying pretty heavily on what Jeff Johns did in his runs so that's kind of a conflict of interest to be honest with you if somebody is going to be kind of running a studio like it should not all be just his stuff you know so I kind of feel like by having him as like a production partner and helping to develop some of these properties you it kind of leaves the studio up to deciding okay which version do we want to kind of go forward with and so I, I kind of look at this as like this is kind of good in a way because you know we don't want the entire universe to be like everything uh, according to you know Jeff John's incarnation like we want we want to hear different voices and different you know different viewpoints in some of these characters and if and if jeff john's version is the best one then so be it then absolutely go forward with it but you but the the cool thing about him writing green lantern Corps is the man wrote the book for nine years right P- pretty much there, there are there are aspects of the green lantern mythology that most people take as gospel that they don't realize didn't exist until jeff john's wrote that book right yep so i'm i'm looking forward to finally cracking open those three jeff john green lantern omnibuses I have and finally reading all of it. I've read at least a third of it so I need to finish reading it and um, but something else that was revealed in this press release going back to the comic part which is what really gets me excited is the fact that he's going to have a he's going to have a banner of what they call a pop-up slate of comic books called The Killing Zone that will focus on new and lesser known DC characters and titles. Uh, He's apparently going to be writing a Shazam series that's going to come out the fall he will continue to write Doomsday Clock so hopefully he'll be able to get Doomsday Clock back on schedule and there's going to be an upcoming Three Jokers book illustrated by Jason Fabuck which got me excited because that's a dangling plot thread from Dark Side War that I've been <laughs> dying for them to deal with I mean that goes all the way back to like the launch of New 52 no no so. no that's the end of the New 52 that was right before Rebirth right before Rebirth but I mean what yeah, I'm saying 
Bane is like one of the incarnations of Joker goes all the way back to the new 52. So, I mean, this is one of these plots that's been dangling out there. And I remember when that showed up in actually in the Rebirth special, like that was just because that's really where the idea of the three Jokers really kind of started. No, it started at the end of of uh, of, D- of D- Dark Side War, because that was when when Batman was in the Mobius chair. So that's been hanging around since then. So I've been dying for them to finally get around to that. And the idea is that now that Jeff Johns doesn't have this executive stuff on his plate, maybe he can actually, oh, I don't know, take care of that. Yeah. So that that's why this news got me excited. And it was also kind of nice on Monday, all the fans, we were all kind of like, whether, whether you've got issues with Jeff Johns or not, whether you completely blame him for things that have happened with the, on the film side with the DCEU, I felt like most fans, we all saw this and were like, this is kind of good for everybody. Yeah. You know, he, he's not in charge of the film division anymore, and which makes some people happy, but then also for others, it's like, but if we can get him writing more comic books, that will be a good thing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of uh, good positive news. I mean, it's it, it's just a sign that they're really trying to um, figure out exactly who's got the right role in, kind of going forward when it comes to, you know, all these properties. And and this is just, you know, keeping Jeff Johns strict, you know, distinctly in the creative side of things is, is definitely a plus. Yeah. Now, we did have a listener question uh, yes. that I was I was asked on Twitter and I didn't respond to it because I thought it'd be I thought it'd be cooler if we both kind of responded to it on the show. So um, how about you read us that question there? Yeah, it actually comes from Kerry Vandenberg and Kerry asked, well, he, he states, uh, I'm confused. How is this role different? Uh, talking about J- Jeff Johns, he goes, how is this role different than what he was doing as co-lead with John Berg? Does this mean that Johns will be more hands-on with the DCEU films than before? Is this basically swapping out Zack Snyder's Cruel and Unusual Films production company for this new one? Question mark. So what are your thoughts, Scott? Um, it's different because he's no longer, he, he, he's gone from being the boss to being to being um, maybe a major creative voice, but no longer with any kind of executive power. You know, I feel like he becomes a production company instead of kind of a pseudo studio head. So I do feel like that there's less power that less power in his hands. So while he can make some creative decisions, that also means there are people who can override his decisions. Right. So that's what that's what I see is the difference there. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to my earlier point about, you know, uh, just kind of having him not being the one that should be deciding whether they're going to use his own incarnations on some of these characters. And I, and I think that's for the best. Yeah, that, that's kind of looking like that's what Hamada is doing now. Hamada is kind of guiding those decisions. Yep. Okay, well, we actually got some major news uh, concerning the studio. And uh, we know this has been going on for how long have we been talking about this? I've lost track. I, I've lost track how long we've been talking about this, to be honest with you. Obviously, it's been at least a year. Yeah, it's been over a year. Well, there was a deadline uh, that was set up uh, between the two companies, AT&T and Time Warner, when they were had made a decision and had agreed to go ahead and merge. Uh, and actually, it was AT&T buying Time Warner. There was, a, there was a deadline that was set for both companies, since they're both publicly held companies. You, you kind of have to have a deadline for these things. And it was actually set for June 12th. And this entire process got really convoluted because the Justice Department was trying to uh, prevent the the merger from happening. And this is what we kind of call like a vertical merger in a business. It's it's uh, it's two businesses that don't really overlap so much. I mean, I guess we can kind of say it. There, there was a lot of other things kind of going on, kind of hampering this uh, this merger from happening. It, there's there's a there's a lot of political stuff kind of happening behind the scenes which we won't get into here but that's kind of what really uh, led to all this difficulty of the merger because normally uh, like a vertical merger like this wouldn't be an issue in fact like the the Disney and Fox is what we kind of call a horizontal merger and that one has a lot more overlap and that's the one that typically would get questioned well so this thing actually went to a U.S. district court uh, so it was I think it was actually brought together by AT and T and they were trying to push back against what the Justice Department was trying to do when they had uh, said that they wanted to reject the merger. Well, they actually took this thing to court, and and I don't know how long this thing went on, but the the judge, which was Judge Richard Leon, uh, came out and just completely rejected the Department of Justice arguments that that this merger was going to stifle competition and result in higher prices for consumers. So basically, in his like opinion piece, which was like 172 pages, he emphasized that the threats to 
traditional media uh, companies were imposed by the streaming providers. So in the end, this merger was able to kind of go through. So now uh, it's official and the deal was actually closed out now, finally. Officially was closed out. Yes, it, it happened really fast. Like once once that court decision was decided, it was like a day or two later, AT&T was like, the, mer- the acquisition has been completed. Yep. Yeah, they had their ducks in a row. Like they were ready as soon as they got the go ahead from the judge, they made that sucker happen. Well, I mean, it would have gone quite a bit earlier if this one, I guess, decision by the Justice Department hadn't come up uh, rejecting uh, the merger. So so it's it's a done deal now. So And one of the things that has actually happened is Time Warner is no longer going to be called Time Warner, you know, as a division of AT&T. It's now going to be called Warner Media. Really? Okay, I didn't know that part. Yeah, so uh, I do have a quote here from the AT&T C- CEO, Randall Stevenson. Uh, he welcomed the Time Warner staff into the fold, and he pledged to provide the resources to the business unit to support the company's creativity. And here's a quote. He says, as different as our businesses are, I think you'll find that we have a lot in common. Like you, we take immense pride in what we do, and we have a passion for always doing the right thing and supporting our communities. We're big fans of your talent and creativity, and you have my word that you will continue to have the creative freedom and resources to keep doing what you do best. So take it for what it is. It's at least a uh, it's a message from the CEO of the parent company now telling Warner Media that they'll still be able to you know still have their creative freedom. So like with anything else, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 see if that actually means anything as as time goes by. Right. Okay. Um. So another article that kind of came out, and I'm going to be honest this this article from the Hollywood Reporter. When I saw people talking about it, I thought it was more hard news. But as I read it, it was a lot more speculation than I like for my taste, with a whole bunch of unnamed insider sources quoted throughout that just gave me that that, that nervous feeling when I'm reading anything involving DC or Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to walk through this article that came out this week and really try to hash out the the speculation from the actual fact, but I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you, it's a whole lot of speculation. Uh, The idea is that the article is talking about the DC film strategy and what does that look like underneath Hamada. And this this article came out after Diane Nelson left, after Jeff Johns left, and it, it suggests that this is putting Walter Hamada in a stronger, more firm executive role as far as DC Films is concerned. Uh, One insider, once again, unnamed, uh, was, quote, he walked into an S-show and he's trying to clean it up. Okay, so that's someone's opinion about what was going on. So then they kind of start talking about, you know, the upcoming slate of movies. They suggest, based on their sources, that that Todd Phillips, Scorsese, Elseworlds Joker movie is still happening. It says expected, keyword there, to begin shooting in the fall and is budgeted at about $55 million with a new label that brand with a name like DC Dark or DC Black. So I'm looking at this word and going a lot of mites, couldas, yeah. a lot of coulda. <laughs> what a shit is going on here like this is nothing firm this is a whole bunch of unnamed insider sources giving some uh opinions they trot back out i saw people talking about the the flash movie uh with a back to the future influences but we heard that like a year or two ago like right. th- that's nothing new but I saw people talking about it like that was something, you know, ooh, newsworthy. It's like, no, that's some, that's an old, that's something old that's being recycled. Uh, here's something that really, I'm not sure if you know this, Tim, but here's something that really got the fan base all, all worked up was there was a whole bunch of speculation going on about Matt Reeves' Batman movie. It was, they state as if it is a fact that Matt Reeves turned in the first act of his screenplay. I saw another source say that that's probably around about 30 pages that he turned in. Which would make sense. I mean, it's, Which would make sense. That's about right? the first act. Yep, a page a minute, you know. Now, here's where the speculation and the insider source stuff comes in. It's said, quote, to focus on a young Cape Crusader, and while the studio 
would not comment, it's unlikely that Ben Affleck will don the cowl again. Well, once again, that's the writer's speculation. That is not being reported. Well, that's not fact. And so people shouldn't take it as fact. So, and it's also dealing with a script that isn't done yet. So that's that's one thing to say. Uh, now, this article was written before uh, the acquisition happened, but it did happen after it was approved. So this is, once again, a lot of stuff happened this week. But the one thing that another insider says is that Walter is philosophically opposed to a writer's room approach and that... The idea is that you no know, writers and directors would be able to have creative control over their own movies, that there's not going to be a movie by committee kind of thing going on. And another insider, once again, this is like the third or fourth insider we've had quoted in this article, says that Walter has a specific design for the universe. Quote, he has a plan. So the problem I have with this article was that people who were sharing it or aggregate sites who were reporting from it and creating their own stories treated a lot of this stuff like it was facts or confirmation or whatever. When I heard a lot of rumor and speculation and guesswork on the part of the writer throughout that entire piece. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so going through the same thing, I read through the whole article and I kind of came to the same conclusion. Uh, a lot of this was, it seemed to be speculation on Boris Kitt's part, uh, especially when you talk about the thing with the the commentary about unlikely that Ben Affleck will don the cowl again. I kind of feel like most of this stuff here is stuff that we've kind of known or assumed. Like when it comes to the, say, the Batman film, we've kind of assumed for quite a while that it was going to be something earlier in Batman's career. So that that may or may not open up the door for a different actor to come in anyway. And and I think we had even speculated about this quite a while ago that it could still be Ben Affleck making appearances in the so-called current continuity as Batman, but not have to put on this big commitment of like what we assume would be like, you know, a, a one to three film arc. And so that all, none of, nothing there really surprises me. The whole thing about the, the writer's room, I think is good because, I mean, that's something that we had even heard you know Christina Hodson talk about because she was part of a writer's room type of uh, environment with Transformers and it's just you know there's a lot of pushback from a lot of the creative minds uh, they do not like doing these kind of writer rooms because for a screenwriter it's 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 a really tough environment because people are kind of unwilling to jump forward and put out ideas because you know they are unlikely to get credit for it in a writer's room type environment so I think when it comes to what I think Hamada is trying to do it makes total sense that he would come to that same conclusion. Uh, so n- nothing else here really jumped out at me as being unexpected. I mean, the, the Todd Phillips thing uh, said that, you know, expected to begin this fall. It's budgeted at like about $55 million. To me, that was that was kind of like one of the more newsworthy things out of all of this, because at least that kind of gives you an idea about uh, what they're trying to do with, um, you know, this, this so-called DC Dark or DC Black label, which is, I guess, proposed as the possible names that this new label might have. It kind of goes to show you that they're they're going to go a smaller budget because with a smaller budget, they're going to be much more willing to give some of these auteur directors creative freedom to do something with these characters. So so I, I in the end, I, I didn't take a whole lot from this article as all that necessarily uh, interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I have to admit there was a whole bunch of buzz about it. Then when I actually finally read it, I was like, oh, that was it? Okay. Yep, same here. Okay. Uh, but let's talk about something we can actually put our hands on. <laughs> yes! So this is the first first like image uh that we actually have seen other than the official images which we've only seen maybe three of them up maybe to this point. three yeah maybe three yeah uh so we get this awesome looking image of jace jace momoa soaking wet on the cover of entertainment weekly magazine and it's just a badass looking image <laughs> oh yeah along with the along with the other cover of nicole kidman jason momoa and amber heard yeah all looking hot as get out it, this is this is awesome now this all dropped mainly on i, th- I think it was i think it was 
was Wednesday. I'm no, no, no. Wednesday was Wonder Woman. This was Thursday. That's Thursday. Yeah. Yep. There's so much happened. That I was like, what day did this all happen? <laughs> yeah. And so with that, so with this Entertainment Weekly uh, magazine issue, they they've got a bunch of other kind of behind the scenes images, and some of them are actually stills. I think from the film itself. Uh, so we've got a bunch of different looks. But like you said, you know, this was the first look we had actually seen as Nicole Kidman as Atlanta, and we you know we've seen Amber Heard up to this point. And I I have to be honest though the the alternative cover to that Entertainment Weekly magazine I don't like it that much it's extremely photoshopped <laughs> so I don't like the picture of of Amber Heard as Mira but but uh, you know because I mean there's so much there's so many other better pictures that we've gotten oh I don't care that I don't <laughs> care about I just love the fact that we're actually seeing something so so stop taking your entitled self going oh this is the best <laughs> picture ever I don't care uh, I, I, oh just get over yourself Tim seriously you've been off for like two weeks and th- this is what you come back with this is what I come back with yeah oh seriously no no this is great in that we're finally seeing something and we hadn't seen Nicole Kidman at all no not at all so that's awesome and then we get all the pictures that are going to be actually like inside the magazine like an awesome shot of Amber Heard and Jason Momoa and Willem Dafoe being directed by James Wan in a set that I am shocked to see is actually practical and is not CGI oh that is that makes me excited that there is this kind of practicality being used in the filming of this film well in case you have not seen it uh, so this is an actual image it looks like a sunken ship that's been down underwater for quite a while and inside the ship and you actually see like some cool little like the the, the wood that kind of sealed up the side of the ship uh, is kind of rotted away a little bit and so you get all these like little slits kind of seeing out to the water beyond but it's just this it's what you would kind of picture is like this old sunken ship and sure enough there's like all these little gold uh, you know coins just sprinkled all over <laughs> so it seems like completely out of like a, a pirate type of fairy tale I mean it's just a, it's a cool looking image yeah with gold doubloons sprinkled about it's right like, yay it feels like a pirate movie it does it does so oh. um a very very cool looking set and you know of course i mean this is this one you know james wan is actually in giving some direction to willem dafoe at the time i think uh, so this is uh this is a whoever the set photographer was took this image but like i'm just like trying to picture what this is actually going to look like in the actual film itself I don't even want to try. I just want it to just be glorious because it's getting closer. Yeah. We're, we're in the right calendar year for it. That's that's the important part. Well, not just that. We're almost in the right uh, quarter. I mean, right uh, half year uh, away. So, like, we're getting really close right now. But it's, it's great to actually start to see some of this stuff because, you know, we've been getting, like, little bits and pieces of Shazam. Uh, we've also been getting some stuff from Wonder Woman this week, which we'll talk about. But to get all these images from Aquaman, like, oh, like, stuff's happening. And it's exciting because we had this long lull. <sighs> So long, so long, and James Wan knows it too. We're going to talk about some of the some of the little trolling he's been doing this week, right? I love the image of like an army of seahorses against an army of sharks. <laughs> no, they're not seahorses; they're sea dragons. I don't care; they look like seahorses. <laughs> yeah, I think they're referring to them as sea dragons. That's the way it was described in the Entertainment Weekly article. But I don't care; it's hilarious. <laughs> so you see, Atlantis is uh, apparently riding sharks that have. Uh, would you call them saddles? I don't know what you would call it, but uh, yes, I'm gonna. We're gonna call them saddles for the sake yeah. of this conversation. Yes. So they're riding that, and they're kind of facing off against. Do you call it Zebel? Uh, I always call it. Um, I always call it Zebel because it's like Rebel, but with an X instead of an R. Makes sense. Yeah. So so it's the warriors. The warriors of Zebel are riding the sea dragons. But what what really kind of got me stoked behind that is you actually see these statues off in the background, and you see seven. Uh, I guess you would call them quintets or tridents. It's a mixture of both, maybe. Yes, it's a mixture of both. It's- yeah, so they're actually pointed up, and it looks like it's this cool little site that's not Atlantis, it's not uh, Zebel's uh, territory or anything, but it's it seems to be some kind of like a site where all these different, what, what would you call them? Like the- well, it's called the Council of the Kings, so I'm guessing it was, because if you count, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Right. So if you're talking about the seven kingdoms of the seven cities, 
seas is probably like neutral territory right. where the seven rulers would come to discuss. And this is an image from the comics. Like we've seen statues like this from the Jeff Johns run of Aquaman in the New 52. Yeah. So that is, oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. And so kind of going back to some of the lore here, what this really means is that when Atlantis actually like crashed down or sank down into the ocean, uh, it turned into seven different kingdoms. And so each statue that we actually see in this image is is representing one of the original kings. Ooh, that's so much fun. And then there was also some concept art of that shot. So like one photo we get is a shot from the film, and then you also get concept art of that shot. So that's kind of cool. And then we get uh, we get confirmation that uh, all those pictures we've been seeing of Momoa uh, was on a submarine. I think that all made sense. Yep. But apparently it's under attack by pirates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, James Wan has been talking about this being like a swashbuckling adventure, so it makes total sense. We get this great image of Arthur Curry and Mira, who, uh, as as quoted underneath the picture, they're embarking on a quest to the surface world, and it kind of looks Indiana Jones ish. I love it. You know, you get the you get the beige temples, and she's got the messenger bag, and oh yeah, and it looks like they're following a map. Yeah, <laughs> of course, you have to follow a map, but it it, it looks like, and I think this is actually being acted out in a scene so it looks like they're in this area where there's other tourists around yes so uh but the the one that just really kind of got me pumped was seeing yaya abdul mateen ii's black manta that's the first time we've seen him but we actually see the helmet oh my god that is the most freaking comic accurate black manta <laughs> helmet you could ask for yeah and you can't really quite see it from this view but i can you're seeing it from the side so you're seeing like a profile view of this but like i can only imagine that if you get this thing front on it's going to be this much more like stewy shape which we would expect yes exactly but you've got but you got the hoses coming off the top you got the red eyes i mean how much more can you turn a comic book and a comic book costume into life yeah is what you're seeing with that and then and then we get a and then we also get our first look of patrick wilson as orm and oh they, they even got him like in the blue armor just like his ocean master outfit oh that is that's going to be awesome uh i i did read somewhere else that he's very much going to have sort of an eco-warrior motivation like the idea that the surface dwellers are been polluting the earth and so that's kind of be kind of be part of his 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 cause as king of atlantis that's that is awesome very true to the comics yeah uh, this is some exciting stuff here and i was trying to figure out were you able to kind of figure out where they are at because it looks like some kind of underwater location inside a building and they have something that looks like a torch on the wall but it's actually not a torch it's like a vein like yeah it's something i was like a lava vein or something you know i don't know i'm uh, just it's really cool really cool. it just just it just pops yeah i'm just so looking forward to that and then we get a picture of uh nicole kidman with who we assume to be baby arthur yes <laughs> yeah actually no we don't even assume like the caption actually tells us it, it it's young arthur curry yeah and i couldn't tell who was actually with her i'm assuming it's papa i was assuming that too but he looks quite young but if arthur's that young then you know i don't know yeah but remember we had uh i mean it was actually uh who's boba fett's father i'm trying to remember the actor's name <laughs> yeah i don't remember the actor's name jigga fett jigga fett yeah it's i mean that's who it's supposed to be yeah or or abin sir from the green lantern movie oh yeah that's right yeah so but uh, it also stands a reason that the the actor who plays him uh, is probably going to play an older father. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is probably just a younger actor playing this role because it's a young Arthur Curry. So, but it, it that definitely, I'm, I'm just super excited to see Nicole Kidman in this role. Yeah, and and then Friday because you know everyone everyone got so excited. We had two days of photos, and everyone was like, "Oh, so are we getting the trailer this week?" And some bloggers because bloggers will blog were. <laughs> all about going oh the, the trailer's coming soon and I loved it because I, um, and uh, Yaya even sent out a tweet saying "Dim bloggers be lying to you <laughs> right and then on Friday James Wan posted a tweet with the new uh, 
Aquaman logo that says Comic-Con will be insane. This is the new Glyph logo, freshly smuggled out of Atlantis, stolen off King Orm's belt buckle. And it said that they will debut the Aquaman trailer at Comic-Con. Of course, in my mind, I was thinking, no, duh. Like, I never thought the Aquaman trailer was going to come before Comic-Con. I was like, if they showed that before Comic-Con, what were they going to do during Hall H? Like, I always thought, it's going to be Comic-Con. That makes the most sense to me. I mean, did you think any, did you think any differently? Because I just thought that was what, that made sense. Well, I, I mean, considering like Variety was kind of hinting that we were going to be getting a trailer, you know, within days, uh, that was done earlier in the week. I kind of felt like, well, I, I think it's likely, but I didn't expect it to be a trailer that we'd get this week. I expected it to be like a, like a 15, 20 second tease. And then we'd actually get the trailer at Comic-Con. Like that's kind of what I was expecting. Okay. So. And now it's like, nope. Well, we, we may still get a tease. We'll get a teaser for the trailer, is what you're saying? Sure, why not? I think we'll get something. I mean, th- look, I mean, let's face it, they've been doing that anyway. We've been getting like teaser trailers to announce a teaser trailer, you know. So it's it's gotten to that point. I wish it would stop. <laughs> just this is this is my editorializing. I wish that would just end. <laughs> right. Just give me the dang trailer when you're gonna give me the trailer. Yeah. So the producers of Aquaman are apparently confident. No, no, really. Yeah. No, no you, you, the producers are gonna think, hey, we got a good movie. <laughs> this is news, Tim. <laughs> Take this with a grain of salt, but this came from the Entertainment Weekly article. Toby Emmerich says that James Wan's done an incredible job with his team. The film is taking you to a different place and imagining the underwater world in a way that you haven't seen before. Uh, and then Peter Safran, the producer, one of the producers, says, Aquaman has got the great action that you'd expect. It's got a lot of great humor. It works in so many levels. It's a testament to James' unique vision. I think it's an extraordinary step in the DC universe that sets it on the right path. It's, it's shocking that this came from a producer. I know, really? <laughs> And then I'm going to close it out. <laughs> the The last person you should, uh, you know, the last quote that you should take with a grain of salt is this is from Jeff Johns. Uh, he's the former president of DC Entertainment. So he said that the underwater stuff has never been executed like this before, which I, I think is probably true. I think that that that's probably an, an objective statement. Yep. Uh, he says the visual effects shots that are coming in are just beautiful. Okay. Uh, he says James can switch modes from horror to big, bright, colorful action to really emotional scenes. He's so able to hit all of these different genres. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We fully expect that, but yeah. So, um, shocking news that producers are confident. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, James Wan has been, you know, handling deathly. Um, cause James Wan's never been, been shy to deal with trolls before. No. So, uh, somebody in Germany, uh, or, or someone at least with a, like a German flag on their, on their Twitter handle was like, great Aquaman promo. And they're at like one of those, you know, coin operated dispensers of like buttons and toys mm-hmm. that my kids just I, oh, I'm so glad I don't carry money around because they would want <laughs> like, sorry don't have a quarter buddy uh, <laughs> and they got an Aquaman like bouncy ball and James Wan's response was and they say marketing hasn't started <laughs> right and and this is a message to your son your father lies he has lots of quarters ask no I do ask no ask. no I have no I have no change <laughs> so I, I, do, I wanted to kind of jump back Back to the whole like the little glyph that uh, James Wan put out the Aquaman logo. Okay, what was the what was the kerfuffle on this? Like I heard some people getting upset about the the look of it. I think it looks perfectly fine. I have no idea. I didn't <laughs> even know you. This is news breaking. There was a kerfuffle. I'm shocked. And of course, then I'm going to go news a kerfuffle about something in the DCEU. Never, never, never. <laughs> so anyway, um, so this is this is just a fun week seeing all this stuff pop. And those those pictures are. It's awesome. I, I, I'm debating about which one I should make the cover art, which I, uh, I, I haven't settled on which one yet. Oh, and you haven't gotten to the Wonder Woman photos yet. Yeah. Well, speaking of art, so this one's kind of got me excited. And I do you collect all these books, the art of the film books? You obviously haven't seen my tweets lately. Yes. Yes. I, I've, I've gotten every single one of them. You're the one because you're the one who's like, don't read them before you see the movie. There's yeah, always yeah. spoilers in them. But did you get the Justice League one? Yes, I got the Justice League one. Okay. 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 I, I didn't know if you had like. I, that's the only thing I have. I don't have the movie, but I have that book. <laughs> uh, so it's been an art, I've announced that there is an art of the film book for 
Aquaman. Uh, not too surprising because every DC EU film has had one. This one is called The Art and Making of Aquaman. It's put out by Simon and Schuster, and, and uh, this was a, a little uh, tidbit that came from Simon and Schuster in Canada. And we get a little bit of information about the book. Uh, so it's coming out in December 2018. Not surprising. Uh, it's going to be 192 pages long, and it's going to cost 45 American dollars. I've already pre-ordered it. Oh, I need. That's one thing I haven't done yet. I need to go and pre-order that. You know, of course, yep. that requires internet. So we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of that later. Good luck on that. <laughs> oh, good, exciting stuff. But you mentioned Wonder Woman. Now this was Dang. just another one of those weeks. I'm surprised all this stuff came out this week. I'm actually not surprised. I feel like that this was it was all part of the plan. <laughs> if you think about it. There was literally something every day this week. That doesn't happen. That does not happen on accident. It was it was like Monday we found out about Jeff Johns. Tuesday, filming began for Wonder Woman 1984, so then all these pictures dropped. And then Wednesday was when the Entertainment Weekly stuff dropped with Aquaman. I mean, this was this was all scheduled to a T. Yeah. So the first image, Patty Jenkins basically kind of broke the news. I mean, we already knew that, you know, that Chris Pine was going to be in the film, but she broke the news that Chris Pine is actually going to be playing Steve Trevor. And she says, welcome to Wonder Woman 1984, Steve Trevor, hashtag WW84. And it's a picture of Chris Pine dressed up and surrounded by people. In a windbreaker. <laughs> in a windbreaker. It's like the old, uh, is it a runner-up jacket? I, so whatever it was in the 80s. I was yeah. two when this movie's taking place. <laughs> so I did love the, the the Seiko, you know, digital watch he's got on his wrist. Yep, he's got that. And you got, uh, you got some people walking around in the background very 80s garb oh god those shorts those shorts and that mustache on that one extra on that one oh. guy but he's got the white socks with the the two you know stripes at the top pulled up to you know halfway up to his knee uh, wearing sandals wearing sandals yeah very much god, very I'm much having, 80s <laughs> oh i'm having flashbacks even even as a young child i'm having flashbacks to, uh, to this i mean i i've lived in the 80s and i the, i i hate the 80s i honestly do <laughs> But and so part of me is like when I when I knew this film was going to be set in the 80s, like, well, there's a lot of great things in the 80s that I do love. Like, you know, I mean, the 80s is what brought me into like, you know, good music. Like I became a big R.E.M. fan. Like, well, that that happened in the early 80s, you know, so it's like I have a lot of fond memories of that. But the popular culture in the 80s, I hated. I hated it. Oh, see, I got I got some of the I liked this. I had some good stuff I liked when I was, you know, five. So, oh, no, I the stuff I liked was all the like kind of the underground stuff like and it was stuff that that became, you know, super popular in the 90s. But like, you know, the the music scene that I liked was, you know, it was not popular music. Like I I hated the popular music in the 80s for the most part. Old man. Old oh, man. Oh, I know. You I were know, hipster before there were hipsters. What can I say? <laughs> I was so hip, I couldn't even acknowledge being hip. So, oh, oh but but this but this image, it, he actually is in a mall. In the 80s. In the 80s. Of course. Oh my god. You know, you want to talk about a kerfuffle that that blew up <laughs> when this image came came out. I want to address a couple of things here because I feel like this is this is a perfect time to address it. There cuz there was there was several different sides of the kerfuffle with this one. First you get the people who are arguing why would they show this to us? Why would this be the first image that got released? And to that I say, did you see all the set photos that people were taking that same day? I mean, yeah, you could It uh, it was obvious that they knew they had to be filming outside that day, so they managed will make the announcement themselves with a picture that Clay Enos took. Mm-hmm. So I feel like to the people who were like, why would they, why would they spoil this please? Yeah. They, they, they knew that they knew that Chris Pine was going to be filming with Gal Gadot. There was no way getting around it. So we might as well make a deal out of it ourselves. And let's be honest, were we talking about anything else that day? I don't think so. <laughs> it's like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Now, the second part of the kerfuffle goes into the fact that, that Steve Trevor even is in this movie. Now, that I can understand to a point because I've been very public in saying that I didn't want him back because I wanted his death to mean something at the end of the first Wonder Woman movie. 
Now, he's still going to be dead, I think, based on what we've heard from previous films. So I'm taking a wait-and-see approach to see, one, how does he come back, and do they get rid of him again for some, by some, uh, abil- I mean, I don't know. How, how does he come back, and then how does he end up leaving again? I'll be very interested to see that. But, you know, I'm, but I was the first to say I didn't want him back. I would love for him to have been dead and stay dead. But if they're able to turn this into something even more gut-wrenching by bringing him back and taking him away, mm-hmm. I'll be game for it. I oh, just yeah. kind of need to know what's going on. Yeah, and I kind of had two minds about this, too, because I agreed with you, Scott. Like, I mean, I wanted, you know, the very dramatic death at the end of Wonder Woman to kind of stick from simply from the standpoint you want it to be meaningful because it, it has a huge emotional impact uh, at the same time I mean Steve Trevor and Diana I mean that's that's pretty iconic relationship uh, and so you you kind of hate to see that part of it go away and then I also you know I enjoyed Chris Pine's version of Steve Trevor so much that like I the other part of me says yeah if he's gonna come back I'm gonna be happy because I just want to see more of it uh, so yeah I'm with you on this one I just you know I'm gonna sit back and wait and see uh, you know I feel like there's probably a a really interesting good story there i have no idea what it is right now but uh you know i can't wait to find out what they end up doing with it well i mean because i mean it's 65 years later and he doesn't look like he's aged today so no. you know i'm thinking magic that's what i'm i'm going with resurrection through magic or hades or something like that you know that's what i'm hoping for something with a clock on it uh but you know i'm I don't feel like this is permanent. I don't think this is going to stick around. I'm hoping for another great gut punch for Diana mm-hmm. when Steve has to go away again. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, the next image we got, also shot by Clayness. This one was shared on Gal Gadot's, uh, you know, Twitter feed. And this one was like, hello, George Orwell. Big <laughs> brother has come to Wonder Woman. Yeah. This one was cool because immediately, I'm sure you recognize a couple of these images right away. Oh, I got JR. Yeah, you got JR. I mean, because... Because there's like, uh, we have 12 different TV screens in this image, and you can see like 10 of them. And I immediately recognize JR. And if you don't know who JR is, it's he was like the he was like the big bad, you know, antagonist from that big popular TV show from the late 70s all the way through the 80s. Actually, into the 90s, too. Yeah, through the 80s and like ended in 91. So, like, he was the big bad in that. So, he's JR from the TV show Dallas. And then there was Christy Brinkley, uh, and I saw that one immediately because that's such a memorable scene for me. Is, isn't, that, isn't that from Vacation? It's from Vacation, yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, there's 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 so much. There is so much going on on these television screens. And I just, oh, I totally got a Big Brother vibe from this, which is exactly what I got from the logo we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. I mean, the whole point of 1984, I mean. You know, they did not pick that year <laughs> randomly. Not Let's be honest. If they know what they're doing. And I feel like Patty Jenkins knows what she's doing. They, when, when they decided to set it in the 80s, they chose that year for a reason. Right. Yeah. So there's, uh, on those other eight screens that you could see, like, I, I didn't pick up anything else. A couple things looked familiar to me, but I couldn't quite place them. So I'm sure other people out there have figured out some of these by now. But, like, there's definitely some some other images that are just got to be clearly tied to the 80s. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that second one from the, the top row, second one from the left, I wonder if that that's like the day after because it might mm. be the plane that drops the nuclear bomb and that was uh, a big TV movie in the 80s that freaked everyone out. Yeah. So um, there's all kinds of stuff I think that's going on here. Yeah, there's one that uh, looks like somebody with a mohawk or something in the bottom right. I couldn't tell if that was like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, because they started off like their you know, mid to mid 80s, somewhere in there. So I couldn't tell if that was like supposed to be some concert footage or something. I have no idea. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah. And then and and then, of course, you've got all the spy photos. I particularly love the fact that Steve Trevor is, you know, is rocking the fanny pack. I love <laughs> that. Is like, man, Chris Pine. There you, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So he's walking around. You know, should we say spoiler at this point? I mean, is it is it any surprise that he's going to be with Diana? Really? Not after not after Patty Jenkins tweets out a freaking photo of him. Let's be no. honest. So Chris Pine uh, is walking with, uh, you know, Gal Gadot, and she's dressed up. And did you recognize that outfit? Almost 
almost immediately. I did not because I have not seen enough of the uh, Linda Carter series, but I, I immediately saw the photos sh- basically showing that Gal Gadot is wearing an outfit that is almost exactly pulled from the Linda Carter TV show. Yeah, and that's actually not the first time. If we actually go back to the Wonder Woman film, I remember the blue dress that she was wearing. You know, that was actually uh, kind of a callback to a, a dress that Linda Carter wore in the Wonder Woman TV show. And the same thing with the the red turtleneck that she wore. Uh, I think that was actually in the museum. Yes. There was uh, there was one worn by Linda Carter as well, uh, back from the TV show. So definitely playing homage to the original TV series here. Uh, but yeah, they're just kind of walking around the mall, it looks like, or some kind of public area. And uh, then there's actually another one, which I was, I was actually kind of happy to see this. In this one set photo, you actually see in the background uh, this mural painted on, I think it's painted on something. I don't know what it is exactly, but there's some little, looks like temporary walls put up. And in the background, you see this thing that says silence equals death with a, like a pink triangle above it. And if you remember what this is about, and I don't, do you remember this, Scott? Well, I know that the 80s, I mean, that was the AIDS epidemic. That's when it it was was like, it was, it's when we kind of found out about AIDS. Yeah. And then it was a huge deal in the 80s. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was kind of like a movement started by six people from over in New York City. And it was basically, the whole point of it was, you know, there was this epidemic going on and it was so hush-hush. Like the government was just really kind of unwilling to talk about it so much. And so the whole thing was to to let people know that, they, hey, there's this thing going on and trying to bring awareness to it. So it, it looks like this is going to be at least to some degree brought into this film. Which is good for me. It, it, it's, it's, it's a major point in history, especially when you said it in this time period. I think, you know, go ahead. That's good. I mean, it's staying true to the, it's staying true to the time period and talking about aspects of the time period that does not get talked about a lot or enough. Right. So then uh, said Tegmui, who played Samir over in the Wonder Woman film, posted a picture of himself with Patty Jen- Jenkins. And what I was trying to figure out, if you actually look at what he's wearing, I don't think that is is attire from the 80s. No, that looks that that's that looks like Wonder Woman 1 outfit. You think that was from Wonder Woman 1? Oh, well, look at his collar. That's not that that's not a collar that you that's not a collar from the 80s. That's not a collar from the 80s. That's a, that's a 1918s collar. So, I'm I am curious though. I'm curious like is this a flashback or is this an old picture that he's reposting? You know, it's it, don't know. And then Zach, and then Zach Snyder posted a photo of Gal Gadot from BVS. You know, announcing the first day of shooting. And then we got a photo today, being Saturday, when recording from Clay Enos. That was a gorgeous photo of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in her Wonder Woman outfit at, at the whiskey bar at the Watergate Hotel in Washington D.C. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So. Uh, you know, another pretty iconic location in Washington, D.C. You, you, you can't you can't not see the whiskey bar <laughs> when you actually see it. Like, cause it's such a it's such a uh, such an iconic looking uh, bar. And so it'll be kind of interesting to see why she's actually in it. Yeah. And then um, Kyle Buchanan from Vulture, who apparently is hearing that uh, that because remember, Cheetah is going to be in this movie played by Kristen Wiig. And he he tweeted out since today is a good day for Wonder Woman scoops. I've heard that Kristen Wiig starts the sequel as Diana's friend, not her foe. She emulates Wonder Woman, then seeks to usurp her. So, OK, OK. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a logical way to kind of bring her in, quite honestly. Well, it's, it's the friend turned foe. Yeah. You know, which which a lot of people bring up is what happened happened in uh, Greg Rucka's rebirth run of Wonder Woman. The idea that uh, Barbara Minerva was actually an ally before, you know, she was cursed and became the cheetah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I actually like that, too, because it kind of gives you a, a great way to get you to have empathy for the character before it becomes an antagonist. So I always kind of like the way they do that, you know. So so I, I think that's I always kind of feel like that has a stronger that has a stronger arc when an enemy was a former friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, it's the it's the villain who isn't just a mustache twirling villain. Right. It's one that you actually care for in some way, or at least you connect with before they they go big bad on you. Yep. Okay. Well, moving on to some of like the little smaller bits of news. Um, we did get it confirmed from one of the new writers that that uh, David Bar Katz and Todd Stashwick are going to help co-write the Suicide Squad 2 script with Gavin O'Connor. Uh, Hollywood Reporter 
confirmed it with sources. And if I remember correctly, and I don't have it in the show notes, I believe Todd Stashwick was actually on a podcast. I think it was actually DC Movie News. And I think he confirmed there that he was uh, going to now be a co-writer on the Suicide Two uh, Suicide Squad 2 script. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we know Stashwick is, he's been a lifelong fan of DC Comics. So that's, it's kind of cool that he's going to actually be involved in this. Was he also, uh, did he also play a role in one of the DC shows? Yeah, he was in Gotham. He was in Gotham, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was like Sionis or something. Oh, that's, yes, thank you. Yes, he played uh, Black Mask's dad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to remember. I, like, I knew he was in one of those shows, and I, I was, it's just now kind of coming back to me. Thank you. I saw his photo and was like, why do I know that face? Yes, he played Sionis. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good pull. Yeah. Uh, and then, interesting little tidbit about Green Lantern Corps. Now, we talked about the fact that Jeff Johns has now been announced that he's writing it. Uh, cool little thing. If you go to the website for Mad Ghost Productions, the log line for Green Lantern Corps specifically says the film will feature Hal Jordan and John. Stewart, which we had heard a rumor about back when we got the news that David Goyer was writing the script, but that's like on Jeff John's production company's webpage. Like, that is official. Yeah. And, I mean, it's called Green Lantern Corps, so, you know, obviously it's going to have another Green Lantern, and I'm I'm super excited. Like, I want to see a John Stewart Green Lantern in film so bad. <laughs> so it's good to kind of see this. You know, I, I guess it, say quasi confirmed. I mean, if if uh, if this is what he's stating on his website, then this must be very much where his mindset is with where this film's going to go. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Some rapid fire. Now that the movie news is kind of over with, um, it was announced on Friday that Netflix has saved Lucifer. Season four of Lucifer will be produced and aired on Netflix. So I guess I have to go finish season three now. God, the completest in me. Well, that's, uh, I know you're talking about like they end with a like, huge cliffhanger. So make sure you do not find out what that is. Yeah, you jerk. I already told you I found out what it was. <laughs> you are a piece of work, you. I am a piece of work. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's cool though. I mean, I always kind of felt like, you know, Netflix would be a great place for DC doing some collaboration, you know, kind of like much much like what Marvel's done. But I, I kind of felt like with some of these shows that were kind of a little bit more on a fringe, like, you know, I, I always think of Constantine and I I think of Lucifer and like I feel like that would be kind of right up their wheelhouse. Well, what gets me is that I wonder now if Lucifer, if they can finally go places, he's gonna be on Netflix. Like now that you're not a seven o'clock on a weekday network right. show, are they gonna go hardcore now? Like are they yeah. gonna go TVMA? We'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh Lewis Tan, who I believe was Shatterstar in Deadpool 2 for for a hot minute, uh sent out a tweet saying that he had uh, a great meeting and that my father started in this business with Tim Burton's Batman soon will be full circle and then he tags the DC Universe streaming service it's interesting yeah yes and then he's holding some Ed Brubaker Batman that's connected to the whole Bruce Wayne murderer Bruce Wayne fugitive story arc yeah I, I kind of like I don't know why I kind of think of this but when I see this I'm like I get this weird thought in my head like I still kind of hold out hope that we're going to get like a Gotham Central and that maybe a show like that is what would end up on this DC streaming service. So, but who knows? You, you just, you keep holding on to that hope. I keep, I keep holding on to that hope because that's what I wanted Gotham to be, quite honestly. Don't but- stop believing. <laughs> Oh goodness! Hey, we had it. We had some '80s this week. Come on, that is that is true. That is true. It's very topical. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And then you put this one in the notes, and I and I didn't know anything about it until I read it. And uh, and my thoughts on it were your exact same thoughts. So let's talk about this one. This is DC Comics news. Yeah, DC Comics news. So Tom King, he actually was on an interview with Seth Meyer this week. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. But he sent out this tweet saying, I'm doing a new miniseries with the brilliant Clay Man, which gets me excited because I love Clay Man's art. Uh, it's a murder mystery that explores the effects of violence on the heroes of the DCU. Hmm. hmm. Sounds like something else I've read. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, like a lot of what I do, it'll be about finding grace in a traumatic world out this fall. I hope you love it. And it's called Heroes in Crisis. And then it's got a cover that looks like a 
a hot minute, like, you know, a whole bunch of DC heroes mourning something, and I'm seeing her going, Identity Crisis, anyone? Exactly. And I loved Identity Crisis. I love Identity Crisis. Yeah. I mean, I went to to an English conference just because Brad Meltzer was going to be there. (laughs) Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, So let's kind of dissect. There's a a cool cover image of this. Let's dissect it real quick. Um, So you have Superman holding what looks to be like a little gold mask, like a like a emotionless mask, and then there's something hanging down from it, and I can't. That looks. It's a. It's like a bloody sheet. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Harley and Booster Gold, like front and center. Right. Some some mourning in the background. You got Wally West. You got Cyborg, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. You got Damien, Starfire, Nightwing. Batgirl in her old costume, which is funny because they just announced that she's getting a new costume. <laughs> right. So it's like... Well, but then also in a far background, is that is that the Ma and Pa Kent house? Or is that some other house? Like, I wasn't really sure what that was. I don't know. That is a really good question. Um, I mean, it, it. yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The mask, I mean, I don't have any connection between the mask and like his parents, but like... oh. S- well, remember, his parents are dead. Yeah. So I don't know. This is... I, I'll pick up the book. Oh, you know, absolutely. Murder mystery? DC Universe? I love the identity crisis. We'll see how this yeah. one goes. We should do... Uh, let's do this, Scott. Let's pick up the book, and I would like to do some Patreon mini-reviews of this, because I, I want to have something that I can be excited about from week to week again. Okay. I mean, it's only because it's like I'm I'm super behind, so I'm not, I'm not like, topical on all this stuff. I'm not, like, up-to-date on everything, but this would be kind of a fun one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd be down. I'd be down for that. Yeah, let's do that, because okay. that way we can, like, encroach a little bit on, you know, Chris and George's territory a little bit. <laughs> or, 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 or Ray going through the box I sent him. Because yes. apparently now he knows he has to read all that Jeff Jones Green Lantern run I sent him. Right, right. Yeah, and if he doesn't read it, it just sounds like he's, you know, uh, like he's not thankful for everything he I did. I know. Or, or or he's just, you know, not a real fan. No, Cause, no. Because that's, that's, that's what happens, right? Right. You're not a real fan? Right. Oh, he's going to hate me so much. <laughs> he definitely, definitely is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, Scott, man, I was super excited that we actually got news this week. I know. Of course, it has to be the week that, you know, my internet goes out. But, yeah. you know, here's hoping this, this this episode gets out to you guys in a timely fashion. Yeah, it'll eventually get out to you somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week, uh, guys. We want to thank you so much for listening. It's been a ton of fun. We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us. Uh, the best place to find us on Twitter is at Suicide Squadcast for the show. And then you can reach me individually at Alan Fire. You can reach me individually at ScottDC27. You can email the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can also find us on Vero, Facebook at SuicideSquadcast.com. And don't forget that we want to thank all of our patrons and if you want to get access to some really awesome b-roll and extra material and the movie squad cast um you've got to go to patreon.com slash squadcast media and sign up that's that's our way of saying thank you yes and thank you to all of you who have already been supporting us uh couldn't do it without you guys so that's it for this week guys and to all of our listeners scott what do we want to tell them keep reading dc see you guys bye Okay, seriously, literally, like, the minute I'm about to boot up my computer to record tonight, uh, a, a freak thunderstorm happens and knocks on my internet. And, like, Tim's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm calling I'm calling the internet company, like, dude, weather knocked me out. And then I'm, like, on hold for, like, five, ten minutes. And, 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 then, and then they're like, yes, uh, so we're going to put this in as a possible outage. And I'm sitting here going, what the hell? Po- no, I have no internet. There's nothing possible. This is a reality. Yeah. I have no internet right now right now uh, and it's like seriously i have a business yes i need my internet <laughs> oh, oh well what are you gonna do scott what, what could you possibly do this
Uh, Scott, real quick. So I want to do I want to do the Apple thing just to give me an alignment point, just in case, because I I usually align up to Skype. Okay, so we'll do. Okay, all right. Apple, 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 Apple. Okay, okay.